right, welcome back, everybody. To welcome back. Two Average Guys. We are here in uh, our fourth season of doing uh, Two Average Guys and discussing college football here. So, very, very excited to be back and uh, and be with you. Um, got a might be our third different venue as well. Third, yeah, third different venue, and uh, so very excited to to talk college football with you and um, let you know what we got what got on tap this year. So a uh, few favorite, few different changes this year for two average guys. Uh, I'm still Matt. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> so we're still two, still two average guys. Yes. Um, but really want to talk about a few things going on in college football. Um, just kind of get things going at the beginning of the season. I know we still have uh, I think about 70 days left. So <laughs> we're, we're getting two months. We're we're getting close. Yeah. Uh, never too early to talk college football, though. So uh, we'll, we'll bring that to you and get get talking about some of the, some of the players to watch out for this year. Uh, a few new things to look out for for two average guys. We do have a podcast we're doing this year, so uh, be on the lookout for that. I know some of you um, aren't much of the viewers, but you don't have a problem with uh, with the listening contact. while you're at work. So you don't really want to sit here and watch us drink beer. I mean, that's kind of cool, but whatever. To each their own. Um, but we'll go ahead and talk some college football today. We're going to try to get as many guests on as possible this year. Uh, hopefully we'll have a few, a few visitors uh, that want to come and actually sit with us and talk as well. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what we can get. I know we got a phone call next week. Um, should be our first, uh, our second phone call. Last year we had Adam Carricker. We'll try to get him again this year. Um, and then we're going to have Ashley Farrell next week, uh, ex-Husker uh, Scarlet and Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. So that should be pretty exciting as well. She's going to call in. Um, avid Husker fan. So um, that should be fun. So listen up next week. Uh, it'll be our second episode next week, and uh, we'll get her live on the phone and talk a little Husker football. So. Yes. Um, we'll get to the Huskers for all you Husker fans out there. Don't worry. Uh, still going to talk to Huskers, but first we're going to get through some other teams first. Um, obviously, you got your preseason rankings out, uh, which we know never really mean anything, but they kind of they kind of do mean something because we all know exactly what happens um, when it comes to college football and the rankings. Those who start up in the top ten, if they have a decent season, even with one loss, have a much better chance of staying in the top ten um, and having a good. Chance chance at that college football playoff or at least a New Year's Six Bowl and have a really good season. So All right, and then some of the teams, you know, 15 to 25 or even maybe just right outside the mm-hmm. preseason top 25, a win against one of these teams early on does a lot for you, especially right away and then even throughout the season it yep. seems like, well, they beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Well, then Georgia drops out or what? Beat Auburn and they have four losses or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. But, but but real real quick, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about uh, we'll touch on the top fourteen teams um, that to me actually have a legitimate chance this year at being up in that top five uh, to probably finish out in the uh, potentially in the college football playoffs. So um, I want to start there. But before we do that, let's look at the teams just outside the top twenty five because I think that's gonna be just as important because there's a couple of those teams where people are like, eh, they have a shot at actually having a really good season this year. Um, even Somebody even. I guess, even I guess a comeback season, if you will. Um, one of those teams is South Carolina. So South Carolina is sitting there at 25. Um, they're saying that they're going to have a good year, but yeah, they, they do always say that. But um, you know, they always have sparks of of greatness throughout the year, but they never really come full bore at you. So um, South Carolina is sitting just outside top 25. You got Oregon out there. Texas A&M, you have Texas. So Texas, once again, one of those teams, they're young. They definitely got a great coach. Um, he's getting them kind of back on track, kind of yeah. like we hopefully will with Frost. Yep. Um, I feel like he was the coach 
at that particular time that everybody wanted. Yep. Oh yeah. That ended up at Texas, and he can do great things there. Yeah, he did great with Houston. Now he's doing yep. he's doing decent in Texas, and he's and he, he's, he's brought a young team. Right. So or not brought he inherited a young team. So he's got a lot. He still has recruiting to do. He's got a lot of things that he needs to do on his end um, to get these kids matured and through the process of, of being those great football players because they do have a lot of talent on their team. As much as they hate the Longhorns, they yeah. have the talent. They got a good quarterback. They got a good wide, a couple good wide receivers. Uh, their defense is going to have to sure up, and I think their offensive line is where they're they're hurting. So I mean, as it is everywhere. It doesn't change overnight. You can't go from being a bad team to an amazing, you know, playoff caliber team overnight yep. or over one season. It's going to take a few years. Hopefully, Husker fans can get that through their heads that it's not going to be that way. Frost isn't going to take us yep. to the playoff the first year, guys. That would be unbelievable if he did. <laughs> but, um, but let's have realistic goals. Yes. Um, and so, so after that, you got Boise State. Um, Falling just ahead of Texas, uh, Boise seems to always find their way in the top twenty-five. Um, you don't really hear too much about them throughout the entire year. They aren't the Boise State from years ago when they um, when they did the Statue of Liberty and you know they did all these sweet plays and they were all about trick plays and ended up well, being they had, really good. They had the BCS Peter, they era. had Peterson as their coach then, and now he's a yeah, Washington. So in the BCS era, they they were all about talking about Boise State. They've kind of trickled away, but they're still there because they seem to be in the top twenty-five quite well, often. Well, and as like you'll see with UCF and some of these teams. You uh-huh. That aren't Power Five, you, you don't have a shot at the playoff at this particular time until it goes to eight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Until, <laughs> until they, unless they change it to eight, it's the only way that I. Ever have a shot. Yeah, I, I, like I said, until it goes to eight, we might have talked about that a little bit as well. Okay, um, then we can do that. Then you got TCU just in front of them, and then Auburn. Now Auburn's a big surprise to me. So I know they lost some guys after last year, but remember, Auburn was playing for the SEC championship game. They could have been in the playoff if they They've, beat Georgia. Very easily could have. But they lost that game, and then in the New Year's Six Bowl, they lost to UCF. In a great game. And now they're not even – they're they're just inside the top 25, which to um, me is kind of crazy that they're sitting at 19. You know, I don't know how many off the top of my head how many players they lost. I know that uh, they're really good running back. Carry um, on Johnson is gone. Yep, um, yep, it's true. And he was – I mean, the style that they play is, you know, they – RPOs and mm-hmm. um, a lot of options and big part of a lot team. of running. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and uh, just with all the coaching changes in the SEC and, you know, it's tough. Yep. Uh, yeah, UCF, who beat them in the New Year's Six Bowl, Scott Frost team, um, they're just ahead of them. Uh, then you got a surprising USC, um, not inside the top 10 this year, even the top 12. That's very surprising because they seem to always be up there um, in they the top 12. Are. Yeah, that is interesting. But they, they're not in there this year. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, and then you got Virginia Tech sitting at number um, sorry number 15. Um, so some of those teams, it's like, yeah, we'll see what they do. They have, they've had some good seasons in the past. Um, some other teams that I'm a little surprised that are in the top 25 that seem to always find their way, no matter what kind of season they had the year before. I know they go off recruiting classes, so they must have had some really bad recruiting classes, or they're just not really seeing them having any bounce back years. So Florida, biggest coach. biggest problem with Florida, yes, new cow, new coach, but one of their biggest problems always has been quarterback quarterback slash offense. Their defense is what wins them games when they win games. So I think that has a lot to do with it, yep. and a new coach probably has a lot to do with it. Yep, Tennessee. New coach. Not only that, but that was a fiasco that went on that in the offseason. 
and I think that hurt them recruiting wise. They still they were touting some of those recruits. They lost, like, oh, they they lost, lost Adrian. Guys. They lost Adrian Martinez in Nebraska. Yeah, they did. So Tennessee, Tennessee lost some guys, um, lost some recruits due to just the whole fiasco they had going on in the offseason and the whole coaching carousel. You know, ten different guys. It sounded like they were just going for whoever they could, um, and they really messed that up. Their AD they really messed that up. With their Seattle AD, their AD really screwed up, and and I'm sure they're glad he's gone. Which he was only there for what three, four months, so it wasn't there very long. Um, it was really bad. Tennessee's not in there. Florida State is also new not in there. So yes, new coach. So and UCLA not in there. New, new coach. coach. So it seems like all the teams with new coaches aren't even in the top twenty-five. Or not all the teams, but some of the bigger coaches, bigger teams. Um, except you do have uh, Texas A&M. Uh, you got Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he found himself in the top twenty-five, but still he's he's not twenty-five. He's still down. He's just out, just inside the top twenty-five. So. Um, I think there's a lot of changes in college football this year that is affecting the rankings, but you still have those teams in the top ten that we're used to seeing over the last three, four years. I mean, there's nothing new with the Alabamas, the Clemsons. Um, you know, you got, wa- you, got, you got Washington. Up, you got Washington. Even Oklahoma is a little surprising that last couple years, but before that, they were kind of sitting outside right. the top fifteen for the most part. So. You got some teams up there that aren't surprising, but you got the Washington. Um, you know, Michigan State's climbing back up there. Wisconsin you got you know four Big Ten teams um, inside the top ten, so that's a pretty big deal for the Big Ten conference. Um, and guess what? We play all of them. And guess what? <laughs> Three of them are on the road. Yeah, so we got a tough road this year. Probably the tough. We got probably the toughest schedule this year. One um, of the top. One of the toughest. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out. But I'm really excited about this year just because there are so many changes that happen in the off season. I'm going to try to be a little less biased this year. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but and I say that every year. But I feel like I feel like there were there's so many good things going on right now with college football, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen uh, with the new coaches. How's it going to play out? What do we got? Oh, uh, it's Corn Oscar Nation. Just said, whoa, whoa, look who has a new background. <laughs> yes, bought a house this winter, and this is my house. Yes, so we're no longer in the Wellwood basement. We're um, in the Jankowski basement. We're, in, <laughs> we're still in the basement, but no one's parents' basement, not my basement. And, uh, yeah, we got we got at least a, a wall behind us instead of uh, random stuff. So um, thanks for noticing, Corn Oscar yes. Nation. If you guys aren't following them, make sure you follow them as well. Um, so let, let's talk about some of the players for those. We'll talk about Huskers, of course. That'll be the last thing we cover. It usually is. Uh, plus, we're early in the season, so unless we have a four and eight season, and then we just want to get it out of the way <laughs> so we can talk about fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about. Um, we'll, we'll we'll start at number one, Alabama. So last year, I think the biggest story with Alabama had to be the quarterback situation at the end of the season, and not really the end of the season. One game, right? Championship well, game. And what happened in that game? With, well, before we get to that, they were a frustrating team last year because they pretty much just rolled everybody up. I mean, early on. Yeah. And then they kind of just coasted, didn't really need to do that much. But then they lost to Auburn, still get into the playoff because Auburn lost in the conference championship. Yep. And Ohio State won the conference championship, but they had lost bad to Iowa. So... Alabama sneaks in, and then they, they, they didn't show up against Iowa. That, that's they weren't even there. They might not have. <laughs> but so Alabama sneaks in, and technicalities, and that's yeah. a four seed, and then they, and then they win, and it's just really frustrating. But yes, they won the championship. Um, Jalen Hurts was not playing very well mm-hmm. in the first half. 
I don't know, was it the first half or was it like first three quarters? You forget. Uh, I, I didn't forget. I didn't watch a single second of that game. That's right. That's right. Because I was so mad that Alabama made it the championship game that, that I did Georgia. not even I didn't care that Georgia was there. I did I, not think Alabama right. deserved it. I was texting it. you and you were like, yeah, Not I watching. Care. I was watching not hockey, watching. I think. Anyways. Better watch anyway. So all I know, just from reading up on it, is this Tua from Hawaii. Um <laughs> Vanderbilt transfer, right? I believe he. I believe he was a Vanderbilt transfer. Um, either that, or he had a really good throw against Vanderbilt. One of the two. Um, they didn't play Vandy. I thought he was just a freshman. They didn't play Vandy, did they? So he would have been. I think he's a transfer from Vandy. I could be wrong there, but check my facts. Someone wants to. Um, but he came. He came from there to a Hawaii native. Um, I mean, he showed his arm off. He was fourteen he was, of twenty-four for one hundred sixty-six yards, and he was a beast in that championship. The, the, the game-winning, the game-winning touchdown pass was huge. Yeah, in the overtime. In the overtime, so he came in because Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he was struggling, but it's not like Jalen Hurts had a stellar year. He's not. He's not a flashy quarterback. When he's not going to show his arm off. When you have he doesn't a, have one. When you have an offensive line like Alabama, I mean, you probably could have thrown Tanner Lee back there last year. Yeah. And, well, and he, he, he can run, obviously, but he probably yeah. would have been pretty decent. I mean, they by far they led every single team. Like it wasn't even close. By a landslide, their defense led every team in turnovers and pick six, turnaround for seven points. You know, they had so many turnovers that led to touchdowns, whether it was on the turnover or right after the turnover where they went down and scored. So points their defense, their right. defense really helped them last year, and, and that's Alabama. They have good defenses every year. Right. We know that everybody knows that if you watch Alabama, but. Jalen Hurts and Tua, they're saying Jalen Hurts is still going to be the starter. To me, I mean, Tua has proven in one game that he can he can win. He's a good player. But we haven't seen him much else. The only other time he played last year was in games where they were just outscoring teams. And he showed he could play. Was um was Jalen Hurts trying was he trying to transfer somewhere? Cuz he could he grad transfer? I don't think I don't think he was trying to transfer somewhere. Okay. I, th- I think people were talking. I think about people were saying that he should that th- he, he should, think, should about think about it. it. I don't think that, that was sense. ever in his head. I think well, that was a lot of made up, made up rumors going and, around. Um, I think I also heard too that Tua's younger brother committed to Alabama. I mean, I guess I get it, but he's a quarterback as well. I mean, are you gonna you you gonna go to the same same yeah. school like a year or two after your brother? And I mean, are you really gonna? You gonna play? Yeah. I, mean, no. I guess if your brother's a couple years older than you, you go in, learn from him, and you know, then for the last couple seasons, you can you can be the starter or whatever. I just, if it was me, I'd probably be like, I want to go somewhere so I can play against him. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So uh, corner station, we'll we'll get back to you here in just a minute on that when we start talking about um, the playoff situation. That'll be that'll be right before we talk about the Huskers. So we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Hello, Grandma McGee. <laughs> it's not the first. It's not the first time I've heard someone bring this up, and it might have been you, uh, Corner Rescue Nation, that brought this up as well. But we'll, we'll we'll touch on that about the thoughts on the the different possibilities for extending the playoff and extending the college football season. So we'll get yeah, there. I can, um, yeah, sure. Number two, Clemson. So you got Kelly Bryant returning at quarterback. Um, he got hurt uh, and they ended up losing to Syracuse last year. When he got hurt, um, he didn't have a great rebound after that. But Clemson, once again, another team with a good defense and a good enough offense to still play well enough to get to where they needed to be at the end of the season. And well, that everything you said is, is true and correct. Uh, one side note, uh, interesting, especially if you're a Big Ten West, if you're in the Big Ten West or a fan of a team, a team in the Big Ten West. Um, they had the number one recruited quarterback 
that was a red shirt last year, Clemson. That's right. And he transferred, he transferred. to Northwestern. He did. And he's going to be able to play there for three years. Yep. I think he has to sit out this year, but he's going to be able to play for three years. So, uh, so for a Northwestern team who really hasn't had a – they've had good quarterbacks. Clayton Thorson's pretty good. I mean, he's he's going to – actually, I don't know. That that kid might even be able to play right away, but Thorson's He's got to wait. He's got to sit out here. Okay. Yep. Um, either way, I mean, there's going to be some pretty good talent in the Big Ten West. Well, and and I, it's I, only for the better, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I think the more and more the Big Ten shows up every year like they have the last couple of years, last three, four years – it's something where we're, they're going to get some of those transfers that, hey, there's a lot of competition ahead of me. I'm really good. I got recruited to come here. But guess what? I'm not going to play for a couple of years. I might go to another school. I might be able to get on a little bit earlier exactly. and show what I got or at least be able to compete for a starting job and have an opportunity. So, yep. um, But another person on, on Clemson is Christian Wilkins, defensive end. Um, he had sixteen tackles for loss or 26 tackles for loss last year. So he's another guy on that that's defense, good. that good defense, that's going to be uh, someone that we're going to want to watch this year. Um, real quick before we move on, Alabama and Clemson, can we not have either one of you guys make the playoff <laughs> this year? Because I think you guys made it every single time. Yeah, let's just let's stop that. Um, Ohio State. So, biggest thing on Ohio State right now uh, is J.K. Dobbins, their running back. So, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere, and he came like a freight train. Um, I, I remember yeah. the first game he came in, I saw him run the ball. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to kill everybody in his way. Yep. I mean, he's just a freight train. You think of like a, a guy like Bettis, Jerome Bettis in the NFL. Man, when he plays or when he played, he was just running over people. Uh, Mike Allstott, the fullback for the Buccaneers back in the, ni- back in the 90s. Or I'm a Bucs fan Allstott because was, of him. Just running through guys. So, so this is going to be – I think J.K. Dobbins, as much as I hate Ohio State, I think J.K. Dobbins is one of those guys not only does he have speed – but he can run through people. Right. Not he doesn't. He doesn't try to well, go around people. He'll try to spin around them. He breaks tackles. Plus, he lowers his shoulder and just runs through people. Plus, Ohio State has, you know, every year has has a good recruiting class. So you know yep. they're going to have, you know, an offensive line in front of him and you know playmakers, um, you know, wide receiver and quarterback. Yep. That opens up. But they got they got two sophomore quarterbacks battling right, right now for the top position. So um, one of them is uh, God, what's his name? Oh, Dwayne Haskins. So Haskins he's gonna start. He's gonna start. Um, I, I think Haskins is good. Um, we're gonna see what he can do this year. Um, Ohio State didn't lose a lot this last year because they had a pretty young team to begin with, but they lost they lost some defensive guys. Um, we'll see what happens. I think I think Ohio State. I think they're gonna be good again this year because they have been. Uh, Urban Meyer always does a good job recruiting, as much as I don't like him. Um, we're so, gonna give you a better game this year though than we have the last couple. <laughs> we're not gonna lose by sixty three. No. Um, or give up sixty three, hopefully. Yeah. Um, all right, Georgia. Um, so you got the running back DeAndre Swift. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's got speed and he's got power. Um, and then you got Jake, Jake Fromm, who's right. gonna be entering and, his sophomore year. And they should have been national champs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you didn't watch the game. I watched the game. They should have been national champions. All, all I knew is they were up at half um, and never should have lost. So, I mean, I don't, I'm sure they lost plenty of guys. I'm sure they had a good recruiting class. Yep. I think they did have one of the top, if not the top. Well, remember, um, Fromm was out for a little bit last year, so he. Um, I think he's coming back with some vengeance this year. Yeah. He wants it. They, uh, they're going to be good. Yeah. I know for sure that George is going to be good this year. Absolutely. Um, all right, sitting at number five is Oklahoma. So no more Baker Mayfield. He's off to Cleveland to be their next quarterback who fails. Um, <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't get it. Um, anyways, uh, well, if you haven't watched, you should see him uh, on uh, on the herd with Colin Coward. If you haven't watched, only because it's hilarious. And I don't like Baker Mayfield, but Colin was trying to say that he's not about his teammates. He's a selfish guy. 
which I, I've never agreed with that. I never thought he was a selfish person. It was in the Ohio State game on one of the plays that they scored on. He ran over to point to the fans before joining his teammates, and he was calling them out, but he only showed like five seconds of the clip. And Baker Mayfield sat there, sits back, and he's like, you want to show the rest of the clip? You going to show the rest, Colin? Okay. Because right now you're saying I'm a selfish player when that's not true at all. Watch the rest of the clip. And Colin was just like, uh, 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 like, what do I say? Like, it's fantastic. He called him out. I'm like, man, for for him to do that, like, that's such a jackass thing to do, but it was so hilarious. Because what happened like, in the rest of the clip? Huh? Well, what happened, he joined his teammates and celebrated with his teammates. Mm. So, so all he showed was the five seconds where he went to point to the crowd and then go. So he's like, what do they do in the NFL? They celebrate. So all, I was celebrating. I was celebrating with my fans. And... You know, they're like, it's kind of like the Lambo Leap. What do they do? They don't go to their teammates. They run to the fans, jump on, uh, and do the Lambo Leap with the fans, and then they go to their teammates. I mean, it, he was comparing it to that. So to me, that was really funny that Colin tried to call him out, and Baker's like, no, no, this ain't happening. This, this is my show, as much as I don't like the guy, but that was pretty funny. Anyways, Baker's gone. They got Kyle Murray at quarterback. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. So yeah, I'm sure he played a little bit last year, but it was funny. What's really funny is he just signed a $4.6 million deal with the Oakland Athletics to play Major League Baseball. What was he, like 8th or ninth overall pick? He, he was up there. But it's funny is he's not going to play baseball yet. He's going to play football. Yeah, they're going to let him play. He's going to play next year. So he's going to play for the A's next that's year. Pretty. That's pretty insane. I would think as a Major League Baseball organization that your investment here in this prospect that you would not want him to play college football quarterback and risk you know concussions or torn acls or a number of different things shoulder injury shoulder injury uh does he play is he a pitcher or is he i would just i have no idea i I know i I looked no idea that'd be my guess but um but uh yeah that, that i thought that was interesting i mean cool i guess we'll see how good you are yeah well and and a lot of guys a lot of the Specialists out there, college football guys, they're saying potential Heisman candidate. I haven't even seen the guy throw the ball. I haven't seen him on the field. But if he's that good, Oklahoma, honestly, could be a fun team to watch this year. I just don't – I want to see a little defense. I want to see some defense in the Big 12. I don't want to see all right. 60, 70 points scored a game. Um, so that's the case every year. It is. Uh, Washington, um, so they got Miles Gaskin as their running back. He rushed for over 1,300 yards in all three of his seasons so far, so he's entering his senior season with three really good years on his resume. See what they can do here coming into his uh, senior year. But then, Washington kind of came out of nowhere last year. No one saw was him coming. Was Browning a junior? Yep. So he will be back? I think Browning's coming back as a senior. He's been really good every year. Yep. So yep, Browning's been good as well. So Washington, I, pretty decent. Pac-12. <laughs> the problem with the Pac-12 is that they beat each other up. They do. They, they play each other. They play their way out of the playoff. And there's one other topic that I, I will want to get to later on, um, just about conferences and conference schedules yep. and stuff. That oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, Miami sitting in at number eight. So Miami was kind of a surprise last year as well. I think there's some people out there saying Miami could have a good year, but they're also one of those teams where they rely on their defense. They have they had a decent quarterback. Their quarterback's good. But he really, really kind of under those big games, under the big lights, he didn't come through. He's he played, he played I mean, horrible. I think, I think uh, I mean. What was his last day, year? Yeah, he did. Yeah, good call. Yeah, um, he had He had a big game against Nor- uh, Notre Dame. 
I mean, you really want to go there? No. You want to go there? No. Okay, I don't want to go there either. Because right. I don't want to piss people off. <laughs> All right. Well, no, but he did. He, made, he did. Like, he had a good game said, against Notre Dame. Under the lights, he didn't, and he had a big game there, but down the stretch. That's what was down the stretch. season yeah. wore on. Yeah, he struggled in a couple of games, especially um, ACC championship. When it, when it mattered most, ACC championship. He didn't come through, and the ACC championship. I mean, he was he threw like what four picks I think Something in that game. That, yeah. Um, so look for him to have a bounce back here. He he seems like one of those guys who's gonna fight. Um, young kid, he's got a lot going for him. Miami's offense not stellar, but that quarterback Rozier's gonna have a big influence on how their offense does this year. Um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you got uh, Jaquan Johnson. He had 96 tackles. He's their safety. 96 tackles last year. I wonder if he's playing some type of like a linebacker safety nickel, role, nickelback role, or something where he's just either that or they blitzed him all the time. <laughs> he mean, never played safety. He was always that's, up. But that's crazy because yeah, I don't but yeah, he, he had four picks. He had a few fumble, uh, forced fumbles, and a couple fumble recoveries. So he, he's a good he's a good guy out there. He's someone that they need in the defensive backfield. Um, I think their offense is going to be the biggest question more than anything else this year. Their defense did okay last year, um, but I think it helped them more than it hurt them. Rozier is going to have to have a good year for Miami. Um, and you got Michigan State. Um, so they have a yeah. Six there's some four. hype. There's some hype going around Michigan State this year or preseason. Yeah, preseason hype. They have a 6'4", 200-pound senior uh, in Felton Davis. Um, big dude, wide receiver. He's not even their tight end. He led their team in catches, touchdowns, and reception yards last year. He's one of those guys, 6'4", 200 pounds. He's going to be hard to cover for any safety that's not 6'2", 6'3", and has better ups than him. Um, that's someone to watch for on their offensive side of the ball. So that, that could be interesting for Michigan State. But, yeah, Michigan State kind of a – I didn't really see them being in the top ten this year, but uh, they must have a pretty decent recruiting class or young guys coming up this, this year that are going to be playing maybe a little bit more than they did last year. Um, I don't mind seeing them ahead of Michigan, though. That's for sure. Um, Michigan at number ten. Right. So, once again, this, this is a Jim Harbaugh team that there's hype around every year since Jim Harbaugh got there. Well, they have yet to really execute the hype, which is no, fine by me. Really have not. And it's not really, and it's not really the hype that they should execute. It's it's Jim Harbaugh coaching the team that he has to get to the potential that they have. And I just don't think there's so much focus always on one player. And this year, one of their defensive guys was just like uh, what's his bugger from a couple of years ago that played linebacker and safety and <laughs> played cornerback. And he played running back. Yeah, I mean, he played all over the place. And they have another guy just right. like that who's going to play linebacker and safety. And it's like, man, you, you got to have set them in their spot. You got to have other guys behind them that can play these positions. Um, I just, I'm not, I've never been bought into the Jim Harbaugh hype. Right. I just don't I mean, think he's a he took, fantastic uh, the, coach. He took the 49ers him. to the Super Bowl, but it's a different ball game. I mean, he's the, he, the teams have been good. Yeah, they've been good. They've been good, but they haven't exceeded. You know, sorry, they haven't succeeded. I think the way that people had anticipated. Not only the Especially, people. I think the university. I think the university. Uh, and I, mean, I mean, like as like a college football as a whole. Yes. Uh, I think when he went in there, people were thinking he was going to win a national championship within four to five years. And that's just, I mean, he he hasn't gotten close. Well, and the Big Ten's been a lot tougher the last four or five years. Right. Especially the Big Ten East. Makes it a little harder. And um, I know that that rounds out the top ten, but we did miss Wisconsin at number seven. Oh, shoot. Yeah, sorry. Um, (laughs) No, you're fine. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. He's going to be pretty incredible. Um, 
we're going to have to play some solid defense against them. Yeah, that. yeah. John, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, Wisconsin, another strong defensive team. They also have one of the best offensive lines in the country, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt about that. They, they are good offensively in front of their quarterback, and in front of their running back. And Jonathan Taylor, that only helps a guy who already has speed and power to bust through guys that try to get him. And it's tough. Um, it's tough to play against that. If you can do what Ohio State did in the Big Ten Championship, and you can – Slow that down. Yep. Um, Wisconsin does struggle throwing the ball. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, their their quarter their quarterback is nothing to bat your eyes at, it, and that's no easy task. Their no. offensive linemen are like three hundred and twenty <laughs> pounds each. Yeah, they're, they're not only one of the best; they're also the biggest. <laughs> yeah, they're the biggest. They're yeah, and the guy. I, I don't know how that you can be that big and move yeah. that well, but uh, they're always good, and they always have running backs that. You know, it would be interesting to see if some of these running backs were at other schools and didn't play behind that yeah. even offensive line. But uh, you know, they're always going to be able to run the ball. So you got to figure out how to stop the run. That's how it used to be with Nebraska. I, sure. I love that. I <laughs> hey, love we'll that get there. we'll get there. We will. Um, number eleven, you got West Virginia. Um, so you got Will Greer, uh, probably going to be their starter, but they got David Sills right behind him. They're both the, the slingers on the team. West Virginia's that high, huh? West Virginia's at number eleven. So once again, yeah. you must you got some guys that are maybe getting a little more mature, getting a little bigger, a little buffer, a little faster. And and maybe they suspect them to have a pretty good year, but Will Greer sitting at the top as a quarterback, um, it should be pretty interesting. They have a running back that's coming in as a redshirt freshman, not coming in. He's a redshirt freshman, um, and his name is Alex Sinkfield. They're thinking he's going to be really good. So they're, I think that's part of the rankings too. Is they they have this kid coming off the bench who hasn't played a game yet, but everything that was hyped about him ahead of time and getting recruited and being a redshirt. They're excited to see what he can do coming in off the bench as a redshirt freshman. Um, so something to look out for for West Virginia. They might be one of those sleeper teams where, yeah, they're at number 11, so you can't really call them a sleeper. But who saw them as, coming in at number 11? Yeah, but as far as, you know, Big 12, I mean, they they, they could be up there just like Oklahoma or TCU yep. or Texas or whatever. And they had a pretty good year last year. So Yeah. Um, all right, sitting at number 12, you got Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, you got obviously you got Wimbush at the helm, quarterback. Now it's something that's going to happen to have having to happen for him this year is a confidence builder. He's he's got some he's got some confidence to get built yeah, behind him because he really he had some good games, but he struggled more than he did have good games. Yeah, he can be really good, and I think there may there might even be a quarterback battle. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I see things here and there, but. Um, it's tough because, you know, they always have good tight ends and mm-hmm. they always have good offensive linemen, but, you know, two of their top, two of, shoot, the top offensive linemen in college football last year yep. were from Notre Dame and they both went to the NFL. So, yeah, um, I, I think they have, they have the talent. Um, I think Josh Adams left as well. Adams is gone, so you got Dexter Williams, a senior running back. So talk about going out high in your senior year. So he's going to come in. He's going to want to have a good year, and I, I think he's pretty decent. He got to see some field last year with Adams out. Um, so Adam, right. Adams I I I forgot very Adams injury prone. So Dexter Williams has, has a good shot this year to kind of take that offense to a new level, him and Wimbush, um, a good QB running back combination. Um, and we know Notre Dame's defense is going to be pretty good. They always have a decent yeah. defense. So And they always have a tough schedule. And I yeah. think they play Michigan the first game of the year. And, yep. Um, you know, they play USC and Stanford every year and whatever. I know that they, they're going to have tough games. and. Yep. Um, but but I think Wimbush for him really to solidify that to solidify himself as a an elite quarterback that I think he can be um, 
he's going to have to get that confidence first. And I think he lost a little bit of that last year with the season that he had. Um, we'll, well see if he can regain and, some of that. You know, coming out against Michigan, I mean, that'll be tough. Yeah. That'll definitely be tough. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of hope they win that game. I'm not going to lie, I really hope they lose that game. <laughs> I know you do. I'd rather see Harbaugh lose than Notre Dame, to be no, honest. that's a tough call. Uh, but <laughs> if it comes down to it, I usually cheer for the big time. Yep. So, um, anyways, I think, that should be a, I think that should be a fun thing to watch this year is how, how Wimbush really matures after last year. Um, then you got Penn State in at number 13. So, obviously, the story around that is Saquon Barkley's gone. So, they lost their quarterback-running back combination, but they still got McSorley. Right. Now he's really good. Now I don't I don't know who the running back is coming in after Barkley, but if, if it's not as good as Barkley, I think McSorley struggles. Right, because he he really McSorley relied on that was, option. He was really good, but you know, was he only really good because Saquon Barkley was the best running back? Well, and he's your he's your said. second option. If yeah. it's not you, it's him. Right. So who's that guy who's going to give him that confidence to pitch the ball? Or and Penn State's been really good the last few years, and I think they've had pretty successful recruiting classes. Yeah. So I'm sure that they probably have some pretty some pretty good offensive linemen. They probably have some pretty good running backs. They got um, they got a good defense again. So yeah, they've turned the corner that hopefully we can turn. Amen to that. All right, then at number fourteen you got Stanford. So number fourteen Stanford, obviously you got Bryce Love. Bryce Love. So Bryce Love, solid solid player in Bryce Love. <laughs> thanks, <Yes>. Mahela. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, Bryce Love had a stellar year last year. He rushed for over 2,000 yards, over 2,100 yards. Um, he's one of those guys that 162 point some yards per game. And he got hurt for a little while too, but he still had a really good season. Stanford is the question is going to be the quarterback. Right. The other question is going to be their defense. Yeah, because um, they, they always have a pretty they, decent they offensive line. They always have a line. good offensive line and good run game and good wide receivers. So, um, yeah, I, it's gonna, it's I, gonna I, be the slinger. I, I I like Stanford better than USC. So I, I mean, <laughs> hey, as man, far uh, as Pac-12 goes, I don't have a problem with Stanford. So um, hopefully they have a, a good year, and I'm sure Bryce Love will. So it's funny you mentioned the the non-conference stuff, which we'll talk about before we get uh, into. Oh, you the, wrote something. I, I did. I did. I did. So well, I, I just I didn't really. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it, though, here. But let's talk about non-conference, and then we'll talk about the playoff. Uh, and then we'll go into – we'll talk about the new redshirt rule. Um, we'll talk about how that's going to play out and what that looks like this year. And then we'll go into the Huskers. So let's talk about non-conference schedule. So go ahead. Take okay. It. Actually, mine didn't have anything to do with conference, uh, non-conference. Oh, well, You go ahead with your non-conference. Take. Well, so I was reading some stuff on non-conference schedules and how – um, Oregon actually has the easiest non-conference. Their non-conference, they got uh, Bowling Green, Portland State, and San Jose State, who had a combined four wins last year. Um, Wisconsin's up there. Um, they have Western, Western Kentucky, New Mexico. Now, BYU, that's not really – they're number two. Wisconsin, they're showing number two as um, the weakest non-conference. But BYU's not usually a slack – Non-conference no, team to play. I think they had Maybe them, it is this year, though. They had them last year, and I think they beat them. I think right. they whooped them. Um, yeah, I... But y'all, you look at Arkansas, they have a weak non-conference, which Arkansas I don't think is going to be a danger this year, but Alabama, weak non-conference. Auburn, those two teams, they always play like the Citadel or Mid-Tennessee State. That's the thing. If there's, any, if there's one thing I will say about this topic, um, kind of two-part thing. One, I... I hate. I don't. 
want teams to play the F. It's not FCS now. It's one double A. One double A. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to play those teams. Yeah. I don't. I don't want Nebraska to play those teams, and yeah. I don't want these other schools to play those teams because I like to watch good football. <laughs> um, not not one team kick the crap out of it. The second part of that is the SEC schedule schedules those games the week before the rivalry. Yeah. So like Alabama plays the Citadel the week before they play Auburn. So then their guys can sit out the second half because yeah. they're up by 60 points or 40 points or whatever. Well, and, and my biggest That's, thing... That, I hate that. Yeah, well, and, and if, that. if you're going to have the non-conference slack teams, if, that, if the NCAA isn't going to change anything around how the non-conference scheduling works and when they schedule their non-conference games, wouldn't you want to be at you, your peak at the end of the season? Because but, playing the Citadel, I mean, you're... Yeah, you want your guys to rest, but why wouldn't you play your get that get your team uh, ready to go at the beginning of the season like most teams do? But how are they? I don't know how they're allowed to schedule see, a team like Citadel at the last game of the they season. Are, they are getting punished for doing this, so it's actually really smart. Yeah. Why wouldn't you schedule a, a cupcake yeah. game before your rival? Guys don't get hurt. Yeah. Guys aren't tired. But you guys but, can sit out for the second half. But they're not the only one. There are other schools that are doing the towards the end of the season. Right. You hear more about the SEC with the Alabama and the Auburn and the Georgia playing these crappy teams at the very end of the season. And and that's where yes, I would. Much, and it's because they're in the top ten. I would much rather see those non-conference games be something like Nebraska and Colorado. Yeah, that's a good matchup. Um, Michigan and Alabama. I mean, bring a game like that. I mean, those are the kind of games that people want to see. Nobody wants to see Nebraska play Troy. I'm sorry. Nobody, right. even Nebraska well, and fans. That, that was my other thing. Um, and it's hard to say this, but it would be nice if at least two of your three non-conference games, I'd like all three, but that's a little selfish of me, at least two of your non-conference games are Power 5 yeah. opponents. Absolutely. I think... Viewing would be better, you know, and I don't know how big of a of a deal that is. Because because then you schedule whenever the hell you want to, and it's not a huge deal. But um, you mean, can schedule it towards the end of the season. But I, I get it. You want your guys to get some reps, new players, freshmen, or red shirts, or inexperienced players to you know play Troy or to play Akron or whatever. But. Uh, but if I remember correct, I think there are some changes coming with non-conference scheduling over the next couple of years. It's not right away because a lot of these schedules are made two, three years in advance. Right. But I believe we have some changes coming for the non-conference scheduling. So hopefully so, hopefully that helps a lot of teams or at least helps the viewers like us say, all right, this this is college football. I don't want to watch someone get slacked by 60 points from the third string guys. Right. So leading into what I had wanted to talk about, yeah, this is a yeah. good point. Um, it wasn't non-conference as much as um, conference scheduling. Um, I was talking earlier about Pac-12, how they beat each other up. Yeah, okay. Pac-12 plays nine conference games. Big Big Ten plays nine conference games. Big 12 plays nine conference games because there's only ten teams. Yep. So they play everybody. Yep. SEC, ACC play eight conference games. Yep. That's... Bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> Come on now. It has to be consistent across the board because then yeah. they can they can schedule, you know, um, and, you know, maybe they'll schedule like Louisville or somebody, but then they'll also schedule 
Akron. Yeah. And then they schedule the Citadel late in the season. Yeah. While the rest of us are playing a conference game against Northwestern or, or Iowa or Iowa or on the other side, you know, Michigan, mm-hmm. Michigan State are playing or whatever. Yep. These teams are playing the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, I think and I think it's, it's it's not I say it's not fair. But they're only doing that because they're allowed to, because they're yeah. getting away with it, and they're not because they're, they're not punished for yeah, it. Yeah, they're Why wouldn't you? That, yeah. That's great. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, let's let's get some conference scheduling where yeah, you build some consistency. If you want, you know, so many people talk about how the SEC is so favored and how the SEC, you know, people love the SEC and people love Texas and people love this and that. But when you're talking, when you look at the NCAA and how they're regulating some of these games and, and the way college football is done, I mean, that's one of those things that you got to look at is is there fairness and consistency across each Power 5 conference? If you don't have that consistency across all Power 5 conferences, then yeah, there's going to be some people that are going to bitch about it and be like, that's not fair. Why wouldn't the Big 10, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 complain about something like that? And maybe they have brought it up, but... Right, you don't hear about and, it. The, the SEC. Know, the, the thing about well, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean that, but that's it. You know, that's why people see the SEC and now the ACC. They've had these power years over the last couple of years, and you got all these other teams kind of sitting on the outside looking in, because and part of it is scheduling. You, you have to be fair when you schedule these games and schedule your opponents to where every Power Five conference is that how if that's how the playoff is going to be set up exactly with four teams, or, Power Five is the only teams that have a chance of getting in. You got to make it fair. Well, and they say, you know, oh, your strength of schedule is one of the big, you know, one of the main components of why teams get in the playoff. Okay. Well, I'm playing nine conference games, and during, you know, one of my biggest games of the year, this other conference is is playing the Citadel, and, and they're not getting punished for that. Yeah. They're yeah. not their strength of schedule really isn't hurting because they're playing it so late in the year. They've yep. already established that this team is where they are, mm-hmm. and then they're playing somebody. And okay, they beat them by thirty-five to fifty points or whatever. They're not getting punished for that, yeah, because that wasn't at the beginning of the year <laughs> when they probably would get punished. Or vice versa, you got some of these teams they play the non-power or the uh, non-power five uh, out of conference games, and they're only winning by thirty-five. When they should be winning by 60. There, there was one game, I think Alabama last year, I think they only won their game by like 28 points against uh, either Mid-Tennessee, it was either them or Auburn. Well, they only won by like 28 points, 21 points against one of those teams that really they should have yeah, looked but, up on. But, but Tennessee State was pretty decent. Yeah, but it, whatever team it was, I mean, those kind of games, if your starters are playing, you should really win those games by a landslide. And I don't even care if you only play part of the game. Your backups should also be able to play those teams right. and beat it by a landslide. So I think there you got to put some weight in on that too. I just I think there's so many things with the NCAA that there I think there's a lot of bias out there. Um, you got is, you got you got the SEC network, which is part of ESPN. You have, you have the Longhorn Network, part of ESPN. Which, which Texas hasn't been up there, so that doesn't. Really that is matter, that but. is what it is. But you have ESPN, who's a big part of that NCAA contract. That essentially is a big part of those teams, and and they're on TV all the time. So, um, you know, Notre Dame has a TV contract with CBS. So in Notre Dame, yes, they have good teams NBC. every year. No, NBC, NBC, sorry, uh, and yes, they have good teams every year. So you can't flaw them, you know, because they have this. But it's not affiliated with someone like ESPN. So it's a little bit of different affiliation. So I don't know. I just I think there's still a lot of things they got to work out in NCAA. Some of them are big, some are minor. But I think the scheduling, the way it works, I think 
I think there's some changes coming. I'll have to look into that again, but I think it's going to be a few years yeah, down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're going to have a committee decide, then well, <laughs> all, the con- all the Power 5 conferences should play the same amount of games. I don't know some people have said, oh, well, then why don't we just have... Because when you play nine conference games, um, you might miss out on the home game, and that yeah. loses your money. Yep. So people say, oh, well, then you just go to eight. Well, that would screw up the Big Ten because they have ten teams, nine games is a perfect round robin. They play everybody. Yeah. Um, but but there's arguments for it. There, there definitely is arguments to expand the playoff. I'm not a fan of it. I'll tell you that much. But let, let's kind of kick into that. Before okay. we even talk about what Cornhusker Nation uh, asked here, we'll go into that in a second. Um, let's talk about the people that the people that are voting. The committee itself. Right. You got you got people that are affiliated with certain schools for one. Right. You got people that have nothing to do with college football, like Condoleezza Rice. Nothing to do with football. Right, but at least I mean she she's Stanford, but she tied in with Stanford. But at, I feel like she's still at least not biased. Uh, I feel like you I should, would, and I, I don't know much about her, and I'm not trying to rag on her or not, but I think you have to have people that are in there that are, uh, to be honest, I wish there were people like you and I, like fans of the game that analyze as much as we do of each and every game and each and every play, and, and we're not biased. We're not just like, okay, we want our, okay, I, I went to Nebraska, and Ohio State's a possibility. <laughs> To get into the playoff, yeah, and I want a team from my conference to get into the playoff, so I'm gonna pitch for them to make it. I I feel like there's more influence going on inside that that room than people think. I I, I think the people right. making the decisions to put an Alabama into the playoff picture, I think there's influence behind that. I, I there has to be. There's there's no reason they should have been in. Because their schedule was not strong last year. They're going to say their strength of schedule was strong. But if you look at the records of the teams that they played, they didn't have one of the toughest schedules. Right. And then and all those SEC teams were 7-5 and five to 8-4. and four Exactly. And, and I just – I think that there's always going to – until something changes with the way the committee is picked, I think there's always going to be some, some bias in there. And I think that makes it hard for people to really enjoy a four-team playoff when you have teams like what the first year TCU didn't get in, and who was the other um, Big Ohio, Twelve? Ohio State made it in. Yeah, and who was the other uh, Big Twelve team um, that were sitting out? It might it might have been Oklahoma. Baylor. Oh, Baylor. Baylor, yeah. Baylor. But but TCU and Baylor had great years, and neither one of them got in. And then you got Ohio State that just kind of squeezed in a little bit. So, are, is it because of ratings? Is it because I mean, what exactly is that influence, and what are the deciding factors that put these teams is in? Is it there? because the SEC and the Big Ten have the most money, and they're the the biggest powers yeah. of the Power Five. Now we're like throwing out conspiracy theories, but I feel like these conspiracy theories are also good theories because you see the same thing happen every year where it, they're going to say it's a tough decision to put this team in over this team or vice versa. But Alabama should not have been in the playoff picture last year. Well, and just like Ohio State probably shouldn't have been in, yeah. and they ended up winning that year too. Yeah, because they say every year – and they have since the beginning. That was a little bit different. Yeah, but but the criteria, the way they pick the criteria, but it changes of who gets in. Yeah, because it, Ohio State got in that one year because they said, "Oh, conference championship is big." Yeah, and they just won their conference championship fifty nine and nothing. Exactly. And so that's why they got in. And then it then it's like conference, conference championship well, doesn't matter anymore because Alabama didn't oh, win. Ohio State won the conference championship this year, but 
you know, they had lost this bad game, and, you know, yep. Alabama lost a close game to Auburn. That yeah. would have sent them to the championship, and they only had one loss, and it's like... And, and, I, and, and there I'm just not, needs to be a lot more consistency. And I'm not, and I'm not just saying this because of Scott Frost, but UCF. I mean, they deserved a chance last year. If any, if any team was going to get in, Boise State should have been in. Uh, you know, when you look at the BCS area, they should have deserved. Right. They deserved a shot. UCF deserved a shot last year, right? Because of who and they that's, beat. They that's beat why two SEC teams that played for the conference championship, and they were undefeated in their season. Why the hell did they not get a chance? Because they're not power five. And that's why. That's exactly why. That's why. And going into Cornhusker Nation, because what, what was your, what was your idea for this? Uh, three more weeks, extend the playoff to eight or sixteen. I, I personally don't like sixteen. Um, let's see, axing non-conference games, splitting up the division. One of the power five, power five, yep, conference. And subdivisions. Okay. Okay. So I don't. I don't hate that idea of having. I guess two separate championships. I don't think that's a bad idea of having like a subconference or a subdivision of of potential champions in the Power Five. Not a bad idea. I don't think it'll ever happen. I really don't. Um, eight teams. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I honestly don't. It's not going to happen for a few years because I think there's con. I think they're signing contracts. It's a contract for thing. A, yeah. A certain certain amount of time. I, I like the four-team playoff, and I'm always going to bitch about it every year. I know that. Um, I just don't know the right way to do an eight-team playoff. Yes, you can have all power, power five conference champions, but what if they have two losses? And what if the two losses weren't that great? So, yeah, I think there has to be some stipulations around it. Okay. Um, I My thing is you have an eight-team playoff. Okay. And I've probably said this on the show before, but this is my thing. Every Power Five champion, okay, they don't have to be ranked one through five for sure. for the yeah. for the quarterfinal. They don't have to be one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. The Power Five champs. You have those five. You have a group of five team. UCF last year mm-hmm. would have gotten in, and you know what? That team is probably going to be eight every year. That's just what they're. Mm-hmm. That's probably what they would do. That team would be ranked eighth every year. Um, I yeah. like that too, Zon. Um, but uh, and then you get two at larges. Yeah. And at large is a team that okay maybe you're number one, number two, number three, and you'll lose your conference championship game mm-hmm. by three points. Yeah. Then maybe you fall into that. Four, five, six, seven, yeah, range. That's my thing. Yeah. I don't know. So, so Nick, so Nick, I appreciate you bringing this up. I, I honestly think you're the first person I've seen ever mention a sixteen playoff. I have seen that with um, the first two teams getting buys, and I, I have liked I, that as well. That's that's actually probably if you're going to expand it, I think that might be one of the best ideas to have six teams because five conference champs with a, either group of five or an at large. Yep, and then the the two buys. Um, and I don't even know if the Power Five champs. I don't even know if you follow that. You don't necessarily criteria. Have to do that. Don't have to but if that. you look at the last the last what five years now, four years playoffs been in place. Four or five years. Four years. I was down in Dallas still. Two thousand fifteen was the first year because okay. the playoff was down there. Um, so if if you look at that and what we've seen over the last few years with the playoff, how it's hammered out is the top six teams are always very worthy of getting in. And you don't always have a Power sure. 5 team in the top six. So 
there, there's some validity to that. Or you have two teams from the Big Ten or two teams from the SEC. Whatever it might be, you throw the top six teams, the best six, six teams in the country, the way they're ranked, as long as they deserve to be ranked there. Okay. I think you have an opportunity for a good okay. playoff picture where, yes, you get a bye, and then you play the winners. And yeah, then, that's true. Because, all right, for instance, um, can you look it up and see what the final six was um, at the end of the playoff rankings yeah, last year? Yep. Let's just take a look at that. Um, let's see. Georgia was number. No, Clemson was number one. Oklahoma was number two. Yeah, Georgia Oklahoma, was number three. Georgia. Alabama was Alabama. number four. Auburn. Auburn was up there. Ohio State. And Ohio State. So that's not a bad playoff picture. Right. So you get really Clemson and Oklahoma buys. You do a Georgia versus Ohio State or Georgia versus Auburn and yep. Alabama. And that, Actually, that would have been really fun. Yeah, I think that would have been. Like that. So I, I, think, I think there's some opportunity to look at the way it's done, the way the selection happens. I think you got to have people in that, that war room, that they call it, um, that are really not just fans of the game, but I guess the fans want to know what the criteria is. I think that's the biggest thing is what are like, you going on? Does like, Alabama have to lose two games to not make the playoff? Yeah. <laughs> like yes. whether they win the conference championship. Yes. Obviously they lost the game yes. didn't win the conference championship. They didn't go to the conference championship. But I don't think the criteria should change every year. I don't. I don't think it should. I think you you base it on four or five different factors. If there, if this happens where a team has one loss, what gets them in? If this happens, what gets them in? Right. I think you got to set some guidelines and the parameters to where people are going to actually think that the people making those decisions in that war room know what they're talking about. Because of course Alabama fans are happy. No one else in this country that that is not an Alabama fan thought that that was the right decision last year. Yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. So, and I, I don't speak for everybody, but when I say everybody, but everybody. <laughs> so, I think there's still some things to do there. I, I would not be surprised if it expanded to an 18 playoff. I don't think that's the answer. Um, I, I honestly would rather see a 16 playoff. So, eight is too many. Uh, exactly, Nick. That's what I feel. Last four years of teams that were ranked 7, 8 in the final Poll, I'm guessing they weren't as deserving. <laughs> no, and that's but that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Miss you, studs. Enjoy the show. Thanks. <laughs> Good stuff. That's right, Nick. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Sometime, buddy. Uh, anyways, yeah, I, I think if you look at the the teams that were ranked seven and eight, and that's kind of where well, I've gone with is those teams that are seven and eight. Are they deserving to be in the championship? That, that is true. But the thing, I mean, if if you look at other sports, college football isn't like any other sport. Every other no. sport, you know, basketball has sixty four teams. Um, I mean. <laughs> The hockey has 16 teams in the college hockey tournament. They only have, like, 60 college hockey teams. You can go 8-8 um, eight, eight in the NFL and um, still make the playoffs. Exactly. You can go 7-9 <laughs> and make the playoffs. You can go. That's um, true. There's, there's nothing like college football where, like, you, if you lose a game, you literally, now that we have the playoff, there's more of a chance that you can still win the championship. Mm-hmm. But it's been in the past. If you lose a game, you're, you're, you're pretty much done. Pretty much, you're yeah. not going to win a championship. Nope. Um, but that is a good point because when I have heard people talk about 18 playoffs, it's like, okay, well, then whoever ends up nine is going to bitch. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, well, you know, we beat the team that finished third, yeah. but then we, we finished ninth because we had two losses. Two losses, yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not Agreed. a perfect system. But uh, I kind of like that's, you know, I've been kind of dead set on my eight with the five, and but I kind of like the yeah. – uh, 
the six. Nick Zom coming in with a great idea. Yeah, that's good. Love it. Let's call up the committee. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's get Tom Osborne on the phone. All right. Yeah. He's um, not in the uh, anymore. Let's talk to Condoleezza Rice. Let's get a hold of her. If you're listening, Condoleezza, we want to talk to you. <laughs> Maybe she follows us on Twitter. I don't yeah. know. Uh, all right. That, all right. We'll get to the Huskers here in a minute. We're almost at an hour, so we're gonna try to wrap things up right, here yeah. pretty quick. So the red shirt rule. So used to be where obviously your red shirt. If you pull your red shirt, if you're you done one snap, you're done. Matter. You're done. Your red shirt's done. Uh, you you no longer have five years of eligibility or five years on the team. So red shirt rule now. You can play in four games. Four games. That's that's including even if they if they go to the playoff. So let's say they play two games in the regular season and they go to the playoff and they want to play them two games of the playoff. Boom, you play four games. Yeah. You can play your red shirt. You still have red shirt. It's, it's fantastic. Um, not only do I think it will help Nebraska, I think it will help a lot of teams and just college football as a whole. I, I don't know why they haven't done something like this before. Um, I think it's I think it's good for football because you have guys that come in as redshirt freshmen that have a lot of talent. Even if they don't have the most talent, you give them a chance to come off the bench and play a little bit, or in a live game. Or you you let a kid go out there and see what see what he's got. Okay, he's not there yet. What do we, we need to work on? Yep. But if somebody comes in that's really good, and then you play him, then you can play him for the whole season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Adrian Martinez comes in, and we play him the first four games. And he's not quite there yet. Okay, we can still redshirt him. Can you? Do you have to redshirt him before the season starts? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I guess I didn't look into that. That's something we might have to look works, into. I think you have to technically be a redshirt first for it to be pulled. I don't know if you can play four games and then redshirt him after that. I don't know. Something to look into. I should have looked more into that. I don't see why not. I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I agree. You come in and I you agree. haven't played before, and I you agree. can play four games and then. So, but that, but that's so that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good things around. I think the redshirt rule. I, I think it's a good thing. You look at uh, someone like, um, um, uh, well, I can't think of his name. Um, Are you talking about Nebraska? Yes. Uh, who is our running? Bradley. I'm talking about Trey Bryant. Yeah, Trey Bryant. I mean, he. Yeah, I mean, oh no, you're talking about Jalen Bradley. Yeah, when Jalen Bradley was a redshirt yes, freshman, because he could now have four years of eligibility. Yeah. we could have played him for four games last year. Yep. And then, and he's good. He's got speed. So he's yes. one of those guys as a good example for obviously the Huskers. You could have played him in four games last year, and it, it probably could have made a difference well, not I'm, only for him to get some game experience. I think it'll be good too. With you know, we're going to have a lot of skill guys, skill position players, mm-hmm. running back, wide receiver, um, tight end type players. That I think we can go out those go out and give those guys some experience and. Then they still have four years left. Now it's great. Now I was reading some some of the coaches' responses from the Power Five schools on the redshirt rule, and and I see the devil's advocate view of it, and and I couldn't agree more. You could potentially have more transfers happen because of this. No, it's definitely going to happen if those redshirt freshmen get to play late in the season and they excel. Because then you're going to have a guy that's hey, I've been playing good all year. You brought them in, they played really well. I don't feel like I'm going to start over them next year. I'm going to transfer. So you're gonna have yeah, more of that happening. Yeah, but you're gonna have more of that happening. I have seen uh, going to a bowl game after three weeks or more practice. So the freshman might be ready to use big bowl game. Could change bowl prep for teams. Knowing freshmen is sneaky good. They have never been. No, yeah. that's very true. It's yeah. I mean, and and too, what I do like about the rule is, 
you know, you're playing it. You're six and six or seven and five. Mm-hmm. And you're playing a team that's six and six or seven and five in a bowl game, and you know, maybe your quarterback's a senior, so you want to let him play. But yeah. maybe he's maybe he's a sophomore. Maybe he's a junior. Yeah. And you have a guy that you're redshirting. That's a fre- that's a freshman quarterback. You know, redshirt freshman quarterback. You can play him in that game because the game doesn't matter. Yeah. And then he gets some experience. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think it's. I think there's a lot more pros than there are cons of the game. Um, right. I, you I will, there's cons. I think you'll I think see some more transfers, but I don't know if it'll be as big as people think. Maybe for some of the bigger schools that are right. have, have the playoff chance, but if they're not in contention for a playoff, it's not going to affect a lot of schools. One topic I have heard this off season is, um, you know, with transferring because, like, you know, it's it's not fair that coaches can go. To they can leave a school and coach go right away. and coach right away, whereas a kid, <laughs> sit out a, a, year. a kid a kid redshirted yeah. and then what? Now he's going to transfer and he's going to have to sit out a year or whatever, or maybe he played but then he's going to have to sit yeah. out a year. Yeah. Um, and people are like, well, that you know, if you could transfer and play right away, but I, I think the, the, tra- the, I think part, the that, I that would be worse for transfers because then. You know, J.D. Spielman comes in last year and yep. kills it, yep. and Nebraska's 4-8, and eight, and then Alabama or USC or UCLA comes yeah. in and says, hey, mm-hmm. you wanna come, why don't you come play so, for us? And so, then if you can transfer and play right away, that's just not right. Yeah. So, um, no, I think I think they could do some more things with the transfer rule as well, but I, I think there's more cons to pros than that. For sure. So, um, it's from an opposing view. Um Anyways, so a lot of good things. I think the redshirt rule, I think that's a positive thing for college football. I think it will make a difference as well. Um, all right, let's talk Nebraska football. We've been waiting long enough. I've been dying to talk. I hate talking about all these other teams. Like I said, I'm trying to not be as biased this year, but it's really hard when you have really just a strong hate for some of these teams or coaches. But you just love Nebraska so much. Go Big Red. Anyways. Um, a lot of exciting things coming this year. We got a whole new coaching crew. We got Scott Frost on board. Everyone, the Frost is coming. I mean, I tell you what, the amount of T-shirts I've seen, I, I think with I have Scott five. Frost, I, think I have five. <laughs> I have one. Um, but anyways, I, there's so much hype around Nebraska football and so much excitement. I have never in my 31 years of life, even when we were in national championship contention or winning the national championships, seen this amount of excitement in the state of Nebraska about Nebraska football. I have friends that are more of an NBA fan and NFL fan than they are college football, and they are excited to watch this year's football team, even if we go 4-8. We're not going to go 4-8. We do have a tough schedule. I said even if. Uh, But I think, uh, well, the difference will be if we went six and six or whatever it is, yeah. um, we're going to be competing in games. If I we, believe that we will be in every game, and if it, not almost every game. And you know damn well if a player is not competing against a team like Ohio State, if they are not competing the way they should, they will not be playing. Well, and that's Cross is going to pull yes, their ass, put and, them on the bench, put someone in there that wants to play. It's been kind of funny because we've had some some players that have committed, some recruits that have committed, and you know they might be a three star or they might be a little bit undersized or they might you know they didn't have offers from you know Ohio State and Alabama and all these. We also have players. a lot of in-state walk-ons. That's that's one that's true as well, but. They're going after certain types of players. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go after a kid that's being recruited by all the top dogs. Yeah. As long as they are going to work hard and going to 
do what what the coaches want them to. Coaches are trying to do here. They're gonna work their ass off in the weight room. Right, and we don't have to win the championship next year. We don't have to win the national championship next year. There's a reason we we gave Scott Frost seven years. As long as we compete in every game, then next year, you know, get better. We're even better, and then you know. Three, four years. We're gonna be playing Oklahoma in a couple years yeah. from now. Well, well, that's, that's great. That's the thing too. You got you got these three, four, five star recruits. Okay, so who's giving them these stars? Who's calling three and four stars? What makes you Amir a three-star? was a two star running yeah. back? What what makes you a four star? What makes you a five star? So I don't buy into that much as I buy into the coaches that are coaching these players. These are young kids, they're impressionable. You have to have the right coaches in place to make a difference. You have right. in these coaches for Nebraska, a lot of people were kind of on the fence about a couple of them. But if you aren't sold yet, you need to watch a little bit more about what's going on in Husker Nation because there is so many good things going on with these coaches where they are pushing these players. They're building speed. They're building muscle. They're building uh, you know what? confidence with their guys, and they are not going to give them sprinkles and ice cream at the end of the game. They're going to give them hot coal or something. I don't know. They're going to make them work for what I'll, they earn every year. I'll have to share a video. So my nephew, he's 10 years old. Um he went to Scott Frost camp a few weeks, a few weekends ago. Football camp down yep. in Lincoln, and I mean, I don't think Frost was running the whole thing, but it was like. But he was there. He, he was there, and um, it was a lot of players, coaches, and coaches players. that yep. were running it. And um, he gave a speech at the end of it to all the kids, and somebody, some dad, yeah. you know, took a video of it. I shared it on my personal page. I'll share it on here. It's incredible. Yeah, he is just like, who wants to play football here? And it's just all about like working hard and like go to go, like don't take school for granted and like it's just like so yeah. many good things. It's well, it's his his message is positive. It's not you don't need to be the best player on the field, but no one is going to work harder than you. Right. And you that, need that the best if, coaches if, if you if you work harder than the person next to you, you're going to have the best opportunities. Whether it's in life, whether it's in school, whether it's on the field, you no one needs to work harder than you. So your goal. Shouldn't be to be the best. Your goal should be to work harder than the person next to you, and you will get to where you want to be okay. in life. And it's his message is not just about football. His message is so much bigger than that. He also talked about. Uh, I posted it on our page on Two Average Guys a couple of days ago. Uh, his social media message um, about hey, if there's pictures of you with guns, and no, he's not talking about hunting. He is talking. I know. About, I saw somebody. Yeah, said he is not about talking that. about hunting. Uh, he said, "If if you guys have, if you're racist, if you have anything slandering women, um, anything berating, anything that's bullying on your Facebook, he goes, we will check. We will check recruits. We will check our current players. Right, we will check your Facebook, you your Twitter, get, your Instagram. If you go to get a job, what do you think that the your that employer is looking at? They're, They're smart. Looking at your social media. So, and as a someone who does recruiting, I do. Yes. And guess what?" You see somebody with a with a racist picture, or someone who's holding up a gun like this, and or has somebody that's smoking weed, weed or something. Do you think I want to hire them? No. So, Coach Coach Frost is looking at this as I want to know what kind of character you have, what kind of person you are. Because if you have good character, you're a right. good person. You can be a great football player because you're already here. We're already recruiting you, or you're already on the team. If your character shows up. You could be a hell of a good football player, and you're going to be a hell of a lot better person because of that as well. Well, and that's what I like his message is. Is it's not once again, it's not about football. He's trying to build up the character of these people, character, attitude, perseverance, work ethic. Those are the kind of things that are going to make a football team great, win or lose. 
Well, and adding on to that, I think uh, something that has changed over the years that he's trying to bring back, obviously, is the walk-ons, from, yep. especially from the state of Nebraska. But I think uh, he's kind of showing these kids that, hey, all right, the top kids in the state, you're probably going to get scholarship offers. But if you're not necessarily one of the top, mm-hmm. you might be able to get a scholarship offer at South Dakota State or North Dakota State, maybe not, whatever. Um, but uh, if you come here and you just bust your ass, mm-hmm. you're going to earn a scholarship. Yeah, you'll earn it. And then you're going to play. Yeah. If you if like, if you don't get one, that's you're, what, you're, you're gonna. That's earn what it. we did. That's what we used to do. Mm-hmm. And the teams were unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm not saying that number the state of Nebraska has great talent, but it it does though. I mean, there's a lot of talent can, there. Yeah. Especially in the Omaha and Lincoln, and even Carney Cree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got some a lot of those places. guys. Beatrice. Yeah. So I I think there's I think the coaching mentality is what happened at UCF. We went 0 and 12. And then we went thirteen six. and zero. We went next six year. and six, and then thirteen. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, it was zero and twelve, six and six. Six and six with a bold. But ball. they were zero and twelve well, before him. They were zero and twelve. So then six and six, and then you go thirteen and zero. I mean, what kind of player would not want to play for coaches like that? Who had the attitude of we're going to work your ass off. And we're going to make sure that you care about what you're doing every day on that field. You're looking out for the person next to you on the field, not just for yourself. You will not be a selfish player on this team. Those are the kind of people they want to recruit. They don't care about a three-star, a four-star, a five-star, a two-star. It doesn't matter who you are. It's about your character. It's about your perseverance. Well, it's about how hard you're going to work and how much you're going to stand up for the person sitting next to you. And I did see something that said players were saying that workouts were brutal, but brutal in a good way. Yeah. And I think it was more like, you know, we know that we haven't like either had the workouts the last couple of years or like we're behind right now. Yeah. We need to we need to come back. Like we need to get up to the level that we need to be at. Yep. And it's well, and, and look at some look at some of the guys. Some of the guys that are going to have breakout years I think this year. We know we know what JD Spielman can do. And we know what Stanley Morgan can do. We know what Stanley Morgan can do. I think we saw Glimpse of what Tyjon Lindsay can do. A, a glimpse of what he can do. He's going to be good. You got Bradley in the backfield. You yeah. have Bryant in the backfield. If healthy. Um, you also have Greg Bell. Yeah, Bell. Um, and you have. Um, Who are you thinking about? What position? Running back. Uh, I mean, we had Trey Bryant, Jalen Bradley. Was he a senior last year? Who's the guy? Uh, 34. Um, did he graduate? I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Who was the main back last year when Bryant got hurt? Well, Zigbo. Divine Zigbo is oh, still here, too. Still yes. Um, yes. So Divine Zigbo is still there. So we have a stacked running running back core. We have tight ends. We have more tight ends than probably we've ever right. had. Right. I think our tight end game is going to be strong. We got good wide receivers. We have an um, offensive line who's matured and is going to be bigger and faster this year because they're being pushed. Are you – so – are we on the same page? It's quarterback. Yeah, Martinez. Yes, Martinez. You want Martinez? Uh, I think Martinez. I think Martinez is going to start. I think. But I still think I, think I don't. We start him for like. Because I think you could redshirt him, but I don't know. Because if they come into campus early, I don't know how that works. 
tight ends rule. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, I, I think no. I think Armstrong. I think Armstrong. I, I think Martinez. that Martinez is a starter. I don't think there's any doubt about he it. He has knows the size. It. He has the look. He can run. It's just like everything that we want, or at least that I want. But am I running? I do. I do think you got my you got Jebby and you got Bunch right there with him. I think both of those guys have a good opportunity to play this year. Maybe not start, but I think they have a good opportunity to play when they need them because both those guys, I mean, even in the spring game, maybe Bunch wasn't on the winning team, but I think I think he showed what he can do. He has right. some good passes downfield. Um, I think with some game experience, with and some then, as the year goes on. I think we have three really good quarterbacks. And who's uh, the guy that starts with a V? No, Vedro, he can't play. But. but I think he's got a good opportunity next year when he can play. I think we have a good yeah, that's solid gonna be crazy. core. Plus, we're gonna have McCaffrey coming in, and, and Luke McCaffrey's great, coming, which was a great, good pickup. Uh, great pickup. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of him and a lot of exciting things. Red shirt him, have him get behind Martinez. That's yes. that's my thinking. But. So I, I think we have a young team, and we got some we got some veterans on the team as well, some seniors that I think can lead the freshmen, and the freshmen with some good leadership skills to help the seniors be the best they can be. I'm also I'm, very excited to see Will Honus yes. tear it up at linebacker. <laughs> I know Levante David is an outside linebacker, but he seems so much like Levante David, who is one of my favorite Huskers mm-hmm. ever, plays for my Bucks. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be an exciting year for Husker fans, no matter what the record is. I think there's a lot of hype, and I think the hype is real. I don't think it's yeah. hype that people are going to be like, eh, it's just hype. No, no, I think the coaching staff, they're saying all the right things. They are busting the tails of these players. If you follow any of the players on Twitter, I mean, they tell you what's going on on the field. They tell you what's they're, going on in the weight room and on the practice field. They're getting their butts whooped right now. They're, they're saying the right things, but I think they're doing the right things. Yeah, exactly. More yeah. So, they're walking um, and they're talking at the same time. You know, the last couple of years, I know we went 9-3, and three, the previous year but those last few games were pretty tough to watch and they're kind of blowouts yeah um or a couple of the games anyway bowl game ohio state and iowa um and then obviously last year was just unbearable to watch yeah. i think even if we lose games i think we're gonna be we're gonna in lose the game fighting. through through yeah. three quarters you know taking it down inside the fourth quarter maybe losing late you know or maybe down by a few coming yeah. back either way I'm, I'm nah, calling eight nah. and four. I'm calling eight and four. All right, eight and four. I'll tell you. I'm gonna I'm gonna do seven and five. I, okay. I don't know if we'll win I'm eight. I'm pretty I'm ambitious, and, and I'm I I know you said be realistic. I'm not yeah. trying to say that I think we're gonna. I don't think eight and four is unrealistic. No, it's not. We have to win a couple games on the road. Yep. Our games on the road this year are very tough. Yes. But if we can steal a couple on the road, and if we can beat Michigan State at home, I think we can go eight and four. Yeah. See, we're, we're still over two months out, and we're just jacked about this season. I hope you guys are jacked, too. I mean, whether you're a Husker fan or not, Notre Dame, no matter who you like, um, you should be jacked about this season. And I, I'm excited just because college football is right around the corner. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, NBA is done. If you're a hockey fan, hockey's done. If you watch golf, golf's only on, you know, a few days. If you watch golf, uh, a couple days a weekend, uh, you might watch Friday or Saturday, Sunday. Um, if you're MLB fan, MLB is on every night right now. College World Series is almost done. So there's a lot of things coming. College football is right around the corner two months away last thing i want to say that has to do anything with college football but not really anymore mike riley ice cream melts a hell of a lot faster in san antonio so you better have a lot of sprinkles and you better freeze that shit before you give it to any of your players down there after losing games so good luck go big red 
I guess, yeah. I don't know. Good luck to you, Mike Riley, but uh, go Big Red. We're two average guys, and I appreciate you guys listening to the first show. Once again, we're back next week. We're going to have Ashley Farrell from the ex-Dallas Cowboy Cheeler, ex-Husker Scarlet, uh, big avid football fan for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So um, check it out. We'll be here next week. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for the conversations. Uh, I'll get the podcast loaded as soon as I possibly can. You guys have a good rest of the evening. Once again, I'm Matt. I'm Jimmy. We're two average guys. Take care, guys. See you next week.